chapter 11, Anxious Waiting, which I feel like is another chapter name that is just so generic yeah, and obvious. Every chapter, Every chapter has dealt can be with called Anxious, anxious Waiting. waiting. <laughs> which, Anxious Waiting starts out with a new character. Yeah. They find their suspect. They find their suspect, uh, John Jackley. But... Who, but, yeah, he's got a nickname. But he was known as Red Jackley. Now, David, why was John Jackley known as Red Jackley? Well, Sean, John Jackley was caught wearing a red wig. Wow. I Turns mean, out I, their search was dead on. Yeah, I think this mystery is solved. And, well, th- this this puts me back in that place of, like, if all of their hunches were true, yeah, then this dude went to prison after being caught with the red wig, and then when he got out, did more crimes <laughs> yeah. with the red, with the red wig, wig, including stealing yeah. red wigs, like a whole <laughs> stockpile of them. Oh, I just love red wigs. I always try to steal four or five at the same time. I'm Red Jackley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's his calling card as he leaves. I'm Red Jackley, you hear? <laughs> when they ask who stole from you, tell them Red did it. <laughs> with, the, with the shock of red hair. Oh. So already it's like, okay, this is exciting. This is a lead. The Hardy Boys are finally going to do some real detecting. Yeah. They they found, through this cockamamie search <laughs> yeah. of Googling people and, and trying to figure out which, which of the New York criminals who use disguises are of medium height and weren't working far from Bayport at the time of the thefts, they find Red Jackley, which... I feel like shouldn't have taken that long to find. Yeah. Be, uh, you would think that one of the, like, detectives at the police station... Oh, you're looking for a guy in a red wig. Oh, Red Jackley. Yeah, like, how did yeah. this not... If there was a guy who has a nickname for being <laughs> How many a guys are a running wig? around with yeah. the nickname Red, wearing red wigs and robbing places? Like, how did that not come up of, like, oh, this this could have been a Red Jackley yeah. thing? Why aren't they calling prisons being like, have you ever arrested anyone with... A- you know, the red nickname wigs red. or the nickname Red <laughs> yeah. or anything to do with Red. Is there anyone with a nickname and reputation based solely upon basically all of our clues? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's old Red Thomas, but he's got blue hair. <laughs> <laughs> Tex Colorado, the Arizona assassin from Illinois. <laughs> all right. So, all right, this next paragraph, Fen- yeah, Fenton's little very soliloquy here. It has so much in it, and it's <laughs> it's remarkably frustrating. So, right, before, so Joe, you know, Red Jackley lives right here in New York, and maybe he's back home by this time. Let's go see him. First of all, solid detective move. Yeah, that's the first one. That Here's our first lead. We're approaching a We're suspect. Approach him. Yeah, yeah. He's on parole from prison. Let's hit this man up. Yeah. Just a minute. Mr. Hardy said, holding up his hand. I don't like to leave mother alone so long. All right. Yeah, I know. You're deflecting she's first. She's a grown That's not... woman. Don't bring mother into this. She's got Mother's a car. having the time of her life. She's yeah. enjoying herself. The boys are out of the house. She's got the whole gymnasium to herself. <laughs> she's making hams. 
probably threw on a Kaufman around the house. Just <laughs> yeah. a nice little she wig. Got, she borrowed some go. of mom's special medication. She's, <laughs> <laughs> some smelling salts. She's got the smelling salts. Got mom's, it going. Mom's having a girl's weekend. Let her enjoy this. <laughs> so then here comes the, the next sentence. Uh, I don't like to leave mother alone so long. Besides, in this type of sleuthing, three detectives together are too noticeable to a crook. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let, let's go. Let's go. Uh, this Jackley may or may not be our man, but if he is, he's probably dangerous. I want you boys to take the next evening plane home. I want you boys to take the evening plane home. I'll phone the house the minute the thief is in custody. Why? Lots happening here. So one, if three detectives are too noticeable. Why are you doing detective work with three of them? This whole book. Or... <laughs> Have two of them wait across the street. Yeah. Wait around the Watch corner. Watch my back, boys. You've got your own hotel room. You could go hang out there yeah. rather than be like, well, <laughs> all three of us have to go. Whoever's here has to go to the crook's place. Listen, I know it's only Saturday many. and you're supposed to stay till Sunday, but I've got real detective work to do. Like, it's it basically the vibe. such a, a bold, like such a, a cumbersome move yeah. to hide like, oh, shoot, quick, hide in another state. <laughs> like, that seems... Like an overreaction. But he even says, like, this Jackley may or may not be our man. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'll phone you the minute the thief is in custody. It's To me, Unless it's, it's, it's not the thief. That's the thing. It's It might not be the thief, but, like, it seemed like he just brought the boys out there for a wild goose chase to get some experience. But the moment that real leads happen, he's like, probably shouldn't have brought the boys. Yeah. It just it, it makes no sense why they would be wasting this money, especially with what's going on with the uh, the Robinsons, which we'll get into that later because there's a lot mentioned in this chapter about this situation that makes me even more frustrated. Yeah, that they're this. spending money going to New York and seeing plays and stuff. Yeah, and then just being like, yeah, we'll call it short. There's actually real, real yeah. things happening now. All right, Dad, his son's chorused. Oh, gee, Dan, all right. Though secretly disappointed that they had to leave. Was it, do you think, really a secret? I know no. I know that a good detective never sighs in disappointment, <laughs> nor... <laughs> yeah, I forgot what's embroidered on the, the full pillow. Meaning of it, but yeah, yeah. So the boys end up going home. Uh, where they learned that their mother had been working on the case from a completely different angle. And when I read that, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, what's she been up to? What, what has she found out? Yeah, it's not uh, just about the wigs, boys. Check this out. But uh, no. Her angle was the humanitarian side. Um, but it turns out she was not actually working on the case. Uh, she, she's just going to bake for them. Well, here's my favorite thing. Uh, so she calls the Robinsons. She calls the mothers to try to get their spirits up. And the first thing she does is, oh, yeah, I told them all about your trip to New York. Well, geez, mom. And that seemed to cheer them up a lot. Yeah. Oh, they're in New York. They just saw a great play with their dad. Hey, how's your life? <laughs> <laughs> how's being poor? Yeah. How's the poorest uh, neighborhood on the street? <laughs> we get a lot of insight to that. But I thought back when they were going to tell Slim, and they're like, ah, let's not get his hopes up. And he yeah, and Mrs. Hardy's getting their Mrs. hopes Hardy. up. Yeah. What was the point? It's the humanitarian thing. The humanitarian thing. Okay, but it turns out she wasn't actually working on the case. No, she was just trying to help out and the I, Robinsons. And I thought with the money and the car, maybe the author was giving her a little bit more credit of like, and she all, she's also a detective like too. You take any modern show, like I like, did you ever watch House? 
Oh, yeah. I loved House. House was a great show. And it was always like that one thing where like somebody would say some turn of phrase and that would crack open the medical mystery. Yeah. Be like some like, well, you know, it's always the last place you look. And then he'd get that look on his face and then run back to the lab and yeah. look at something and then break it wide open and cure the person. He had a person. cane, so it was more of a limping. Right. Obviously, yeah. 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 It was a, yeah. a limping <laughs> jog thing. But that's what I was sort of expecting. Like Mrs. Hardy had stumbled upon some clue. Like, well, you know... Mr. Robinson I think wasn't you boys answering are, the phone because of this yeah, thing. Yeah, you needed a female perspective. You boys were looking at it wrong. It's not always about the clothes and the wigs, see? Well, tr- true to the author's history, she gives the female perspective, and that is, I'm going to cook for I'm going to cook, yeah. I'm going to make some hams. I'm going to make some cakes. Make I'm going to call them and brag about my boys and their trip to New York. And their expenses. And their expenses and how they're wasting their money. That's Give what, them a cake. I, I wrote this in the margin on the first page after he was like, Okay, three detectives is too many. You boys fly back tonight. I I wrote plus expenses in quotations because yeah. I gotta like just picture Hardy like Fenton Hardy just shoehorning that in, shoehorning that in like every every time he's like negotiating with somebody. Like, yeah, we're on the case, um, and <laughs> it, it'll be a hundred dollars plus plus expenses <laughs> plus expenses, <laughs> and then he's just doing all he can on that expense account. Sir, your your expenses came out more than your pay. I mean, I had to bring my sons out. Yeah. I had to get that steak dinner. Couldn't have seen that play without Yeah. Him. You think plays are cheap? <laughs> it's all part of the detective. Come work. on, sir. I'm a super Oh, <sighs> So so Frank is actually – here's my favorite thing as well. Frank is really excited that his mom is doing this. That's you know? swell of you. Yeah. Wow, mom. You're so beautiful and so <laughs> nice. Joe looks at him and goes, yeah, I totally help, but I got a tennis match. Dude, you thought you were going to be in New York. How do you have a tennis match today? That, well, you, this you is lie. on Monday. This you is lie. on Monday. I don't know what day it is, but he's saying... On oh, the, it's on Monday. Okay. Monday, I'm going to bake a ham for him. But still, I I wrote in the margin, you know, Joe told them he has a tennis match to play, and I wrote, alone? <laughs> because this is the first independent thing either of them have done. done, yeah. This is Joe... Without Frank. Like, they're on the baseball team together. Like, how are they not doubles partners Yeah, they in undress tennis? with each other. They sleep in the same room together. I would think that Joe would be like, Frank, you can't. We've got our big doubles <laughs> tennis match that we do together each week. But I'll do the next, Aaron, he promised. So we get this next uh, few pages alone with Frank for the first time. And? Second half of the book. His crush. And Little the girl he likes to date the most, Callie, Callie Shaw. Shaw. Watch out. Hey, she'll drop your jaw. Who you talking about, Callie Shaw? Well done. Thank you. Well done. Um, so he and Callie uh, are talking about all this, and he's like, Callie, my mom baked a, a ham and a cake. Do you want to take this over to the Robinsons with me after school? And she's like, oh, you know, of, of course. And I, I'm concerned about the Robinsons. Like, I heard that, you know, things aren't, aren't good for them and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's one little thing. Uh, Frank gave Callie the address, uh, you know, uh, she said, where are they living? Uh, and her eyes widened. Why, that's in one of the poorest sections of the city. Frank, I had no idea the Robinson's plight was that bad. Um, that's just the first of a few things that make me start to dislike Callie a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. She's um, on her high horse. But then, uh, so they're going to go meet after school. And she says, you know, I'd love to. She agreed. Uh, and then the two parted at the door of the algebra teacher's classroom. And I really... Really liked that pointless detail. Like they're outside the algebra <laughs> teacher's classroom because 
Algebra is not advanced math. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like you take pre-algebra in the end of grade school, and then you take algebra, like, freshman year. Yes, you um, do. And then you're into, <laughs> you're into pre-calc and calc, maybe trigonometry. Yeah. Geometry. Uh, there, there's more advanced classes. <laughs> and, the f- and I wrote in the margin, oh, yeah, they're dumb. Because... <laughs> Because it was just a little reminder of, as as obviously they weren't finding clues in New York and handling everything poorly. These kids haven't even finished algebra yet. This is not, we're not dealing with a Slim Robinson type intellect here. We're not dealing with a top ten, the top ten yeah. grocery manager here. This oh, is just so the Hardy sad. Boys. I didn't even think about that. Throw another. Oh God! Oh, calculus, anything. This is a sad chapter. I mean, even even before all this, there's even talk about like Mr. Robinson is not going to get a job until they catch his person because Hurt Applegate won't allow it because he still believes him. Love so this seeing Hurt Applegate's name again. By I know. Way. I was very happy to so just to read the back name in the, in the narrative. And this happens. So it's um, just on page ninety three. That's mentioned twice or three times that he can't get a job. They're in a bad neighborhood. And then Frank goes into, oh, yeah, it's actually a really bad neighborhood, and it's going to get worse considering that Mr. Robinson can't work and Slim's earnings will not, you know, provide for the family. So it's just – it's piling up even more of like, Frank, what are you doing in New York seeing a play then? Like you're telling her about how bad this is, but you don't care about it when you're not with her. Yeah. Don't try to play the sensitive guy, Frank. the same thing happened in the very beginning of the book – when they got the – they talked to the deaf farmer and the other yeah. people and then when they saw Callie, they talked to her about her cake and all this and then it was when she was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, I saw Chet's car and they're like, oh, yeah, we're looking for Chet's car. Yeah. Like he just – he's into Callie Shaw and yeah. I guess part of it's sweet but part of it's also – yeah, the, the Robinsons are depending on you, man. Yeah. Don't stop, let them down. Stop doing this, Frank. Stop doing this, Joe. So, so they stop it at Callie's girls. house and grab some fruits that Callie's going to bring fruits to the Robinsons. Um, and uh, they stop quickly at the Hardy home to get the ham and the cake and still no word from Fenton. Still he was no going to call yeah. and they're getting a little worried. They're getting a little they're nervous. He's, yeah. he's gotten a little this is sick. Monday at this point. And, and several back. times in this chapter that, that keeps coming up of like, yeah, I hope he's okay. And then they're always like, well, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. No it, news is good Would news. you say that they're anxiously waiting? I would say that they're anxiously waiting. Just like last chapter. <laughs> And the chapter before. <laughs> so so they, they pick up the ham and Frank uh, decides to tuck the ham under one arm. How do you tuck a ham? Is this ham already cooked? I, there's a lot of good questions. I would assume so. It doesn't say the wrapped ham or the container holding the ham. It says that Frank tucked the ham under his arm. I was thinking, Frank is salty. Like, Frank is active. He's going to get ham juice all over yeah. his jacket. Frank doesn't understand puberty, so he never went through, like, wearing deodorant. He's just always like, why do I start smelling I weird, smell Ma? real bad like so, ham. Yeah, he's just throwing this ham under his damn armpit. What are you doing, Frank? So so they're on the bus. Uh, Frank hailed an approaching bus bound for the section of the city where the Robinsons live. He and Hallie climb aboard. It was a long ride, and the streets became less attractive as they neared the outskirts of Bayport. And I, I wrote, more Italian. <laughs> yeah, I know. Knowing that these <laughs> books were written because they were too rude to Italians, I just thought, like, more spaghetti restaurants lined the streets the further they got. Yep, I, I thought the same thing. Also, Kali, on the on the bus ride, gives him a news of a, some little bit of advice. 
because they haven't heard from dad in which she says, uh, no news is good news. So don't worry. In which Frank responded, I'll take your advice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Never thought about it like that. Hey, I'll take your advice. I've never been given advice and looked at someone just straight in the eyes and be like, I'll take your advice. And I, I want to start doing that now. That's good. Because that, that she didn't say, let me give you say. some advice. She just said she just something. She just went into it. And he's like, I will take your advice. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Fantastic, right? So, so they're on the bus, and then this this paragraph happens. It's a shame. That's what it is, declared Callie abruptly. The Robinsons were always so accustomed to having everything so nice, and now they have to live here. <laughs> oh, I hope your father catches the man who committed that robbery, and soon... And I thought, Callie, Callie, calm down. You're on the bus with these people. You're on the bus with the people that live here. Maybe, maybe not have an outburst just about what think, a crap hole this It's a place bus is. of all the rich people. It's just this nice white bus, and they just drive by. And look at, hey, we could be living here. Life's not too bad. It's a little look at all uh, these Italians. Taste of reality tour bus. It's just little Italy. <laughs> it's actually it's a wonderful place, and it smells of <laughs> garlic spaghetti and, lovely, and garlic. But, yeah. Oh, Callie. Keep it together. You're on a bus. Yeah. Kylie, you always have cake, too. Every time we see Kylie, she's holding the cake. She's into the cake. She's got a cake uh, for the Robinsons. I don't know if we mentioned that, but yeah, she's back on it with cake. So they get to the street where the Robinsons had moved and found that it was even poorer (laughs) than they had expected. There were small houses badly in need of paint and repairs, and shabbily dressed children were playing in the roadway. And I thought, like, and Italian flags flew in the wind <laughs> in front of the houses. There was so much red, white, and green. It was disgusting. <laughs> just awful. <laughs> but again, they're just, like, poor, poor, poor. We get it. Yeah. We get you it. Don't Not have great. To keep telling us. Not great. It was mentioned every chapter that, oh, by the way, they have to live in a poor neighborhood. Okay, they're in a poor neighborhood. Well, it's actually poorer than we thought. Well, this is actually really, really poor because the children are in shabby clothing. Okay. It's poor. Move on. But. Silver lining. At the end of the streets at a small cottage that somehow contrived to look homelike in spite of the surroundings, the picket fence had been repaired and the yard had been cleaned up. This is where they live, said Frank. And I wrote, already? (laughs) This happened like four days ago. Yeah. Like everything. They've the already done all these house repairs. Yeah. yeah. And like Mr. Robinson's been looking for work. I hope he wasn't out working on the fence. He should have been making phone calls and stuff like that. Yeah. But how, like first thing, let's buy a crappy house, by the way, or or rent, whatever they're or doing. Or do whatever they're doing. Yeah. If yeah. they're renting, I don't know why they'd have to fix the picket fence. That seems like something you would just talk to the Hey, we'll the buy this, about. but you kind of have to, or well, we'll, we'll rent, rent this, if, but if you're going to fix yeah. that. You're gonna fix Where that the fence. landlord wants to clean that up so that they will rent it. Yeah, but I'm I'm prioritizing things that they may not have, and that's on me. I don't know what it's like to be yeah, accused never, of this. Yeah. Oh, it's the neatest place on the whole street," said Callie, which made her smile because she's not into poverty. No, it makes it, her it, uncomfortable. She had now on a bus. Yeah, on a bus. She doesn't want to eat any of that cake because she feels like the poverty air has gotten inside of it. Yeah. So they knock on the door. Frank and Callie, the the twins exclaim, come in. The callers were greeted with kindly dignity by Mrs. Robinson. She looked pale and thin, but had the same self-possession she always had shown at Tower Mansion, which I thought was nice. Yeah. Then the first dialogue, Callie Wait. explains, we can't stay long. Yeah, I know. And I just thought, you know, because of poor. <laughs> we're not, 
you know, have you looked around? We we got to get out of here. Also, is mom not in a wheelchair anymore? Is she no longer lame? Oh, that's true. She was pretty lame before. Yeah. Uh, doesn't say. Right? Because don't I you imagine she could be. She's, she's standing now. It, it doesn't say she's standing? No, but I Just imagine she is. It doesn't say, like, mom wheeled up to the not, door yeah. and opened it. But it could be ambiguous. It could be implied. But yeah, there's nothing here about... Mrs. Robinson didn't jog around anywhere. That's true. So She know. also didn't wheel anywhere. No. Slept up to the reader's she imagination, move, I guess. Yeah. I mean, these are the details that we like, and I don't care about this man being stout. I want to know, is she, is she lame or not? You know, I don't know if this is going to come back, but in the last chapter, when they walk into uh, Morley's dressing room, it said, and there was a potted plant on the windowsill. <laughs> and I just remember reading that being like... Oh, Okay. Does that like is something really important going to come up with that? Because nothing else is really well described in this book. That's where the bug is, Sean. And yeah, so we don't know whether or not Mrs. Robinson is still in a wheelchair, uh, but we do know that there was a (laughs) small (laughs) potted plant on the windowsill overlooking the alley. That is just good. That's good eye for detail. I hope that comes back in some way where that. That's good detective work of you, though. To to remember that. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Yeah. If it doesn't come back, we're gonna lie because no one is actually reading along with us. So we're gonna make up the ending of the potted. Yeah, you're not gonna know. Yeah. Um. But so this uh, just this whole exchange then is this them talking about two things. One is Fenton Hardy okay? We're worried about him. He's in New York. We haven't heard from him. And two, we get that stuff is awful for your family. Yeah. And we're sorry that, you know, we got to crack this case. It's got to get cracked open like an egg. Got to crack this case. Yeah. And then they're like, ah, but, but, you know, we we can't keep talking about this. So let's talk about your dad again and how we're worried. And they're like, let, we can't keep talking about your dad and how we're worried. Let's talk about how, how, Poor off poor the are, Robinsons yeah. are. I'm like, then they leave. Yeah. That's it's, that's the it's whole It's just exchange. like Joe's tennis match. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe hits, she hits. Joe hits, you know. Volley. It's, it's, it's back and forth. There is a great thing where, you know, Miss Robinson is clearly frustrated. She wants there to be a break in this case because it's a weird one. And she goes, has Mr. Hardy discovered anything yet? And which I'm thinking the only response Frank can say is, no, but we saw a play and it was hilarious. <laughs> it was, we laughed at his comedy and gestures. It was really funny and the gestures were amazing. You should go to New York and see... Oh, yeah. You're poor. I'd give you some of my pocket money, but I spent it all. <laughs> on a play. I, I lost it. I stuck it under my armpits and it flew out on my bike. Was, some of it might still be stuck to the ham, actually, <laughs> and I need that back. <laughs> hey, you guys didn't eat that ham yet, did you? <laughs> Uh, actually, on the note of ham, Mrs. Robinson and the girls invite them to remain for supper, but Callie insisted that she must go, and I wrote again, <laughs> because of poor, <laughs> yeah. obviously. It's very sad. Not... I will say, there's one good thing that has happened in this chapter. Oh? Slim got a promotion. Oh, yeah. Second day at the job. Second day in. And uh, Frank was like, well, that's swell. Didn't take the manager long to find out how smart Slim is, eh? Top ten. Did he say top 10? He did not say top 10. But, but it's implied. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's implied. The implication. He was in the top 10 of that school district, and we cannot forget that. Of course he's promoted to assistant manager of the receiving department. Oh, yeah. Hey, 49 years left till he's uh, head but, of the firm. Yeah, I was thinking, like, they're interviewing Slim. They're like, where do you see yourself in five years, kid? He's just like, in five years, I see myself 45 years away from being there. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's got a little <laughs> construction paper chain of links, and he's yeah. tearing off one every day. He's got his uh, PowerPoint presentation before PowerPoint. <laughs> just a just poster done boards. with poster boards. Yeah. yeah, even has slides and all, all, all that good stuff. So as they're leaving, uh, Mrs. Robinson says, "You know, it's terrible, but as long as Fenton Hardy and his sons are working on the case, I'm sure it will be straightened out." And uh, I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah. We we saw them in New York. They, Doing nothing. Again, they Joe's went... playing tennis. Frank's bringing you <laughs> armpit ham. Like, you, you want to trust these boys? Fenton's gone. <laughs> Fenton's with his other wife. <laughs> have, yeah. have some armpit yeah, ham. Yeah, that's actually true. Like, I got to meet with Red. There's his prisoner. Yeah, you guys got to leave now. You yeah, know, your mistress this... became available. That's what it was. <laughs> you got a text. Whoa. You got a text. Yeah. You got a go, my man. You got a pigeon in the mail. You got a letter that just said, you up. <laughs> <laughs> Theatrical oh. play and chill. Shakespearean play at the Hamlin Company and chill. Oh, so they leave. Hope you hear good news from your father. They uh, it takes Callie home. They say goodbye. Joe meets him back at his home. Any phone call? Joe shook his head. Mother's pretty worried that something has happened to Dad. Bum 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 bum. Maybe, Dad, you shouldn't have sent your boys away, right? This is all on you. We don't feel sad. This is... A, don't feel sad As far dad. as cliffhangers go, this is another, I feel like, bad one, where it's just like, there's no action here. They're just like, yeah. hey, something might be wrong. There's but no like, break in the something case. something to be like, there was a phone call and the line went dead. Like, <gasps> yeah. Then maybe something, but just to say like, yeah, I got a bad feeling. The first three chapters, like, that was what they were all about. Good cliffhangers. Yeah. Well, this is something into which we will delve... When we get to chapter 12. <laughs>